Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, with Phil Brooks, I'm His trying to... His name is not Phil Brooks, it's CM Punk. How many times do I have to repeat this to you? I'm sick and tired. What the hell's that? I don't know. I think somebody's at the door. Hey. You can't even film stuff without people knocking. Nah, well, you know, that's the way of the world. Who is it? But don't start personally insulting me. But don't start personally insulting me. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro filmed out of here in the music TV, straight out of Ron Conkama, Long Island. At the board, Matty Ice. Matty, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's a pretty good day. So people should know, and next week will be a somber, somber show. Uh, Matt is uh, leaving indie music TV, going on to bigger and better things, well-deserved great producer who's been producing us for almost two years right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know we'll give you all your flowers next week brother flowers? but you will be missed flowers. that's for sure thank you what if he likes lilacs great show what Fly- oh by the way everybody everybody out there mad? just so you know uh, no. our special guest jim brunzel yeah what about him great he enjoyed the conversation we just had me and we him. were talking for like a half an hour and i'm talking about pamela you lee weren't talking you left the room tommy lee and then Farrow goes in full Farrow mode and starts talking about everything but Tommy Lee and Pamela, yeah, like fun which is stuff. the first thing I think of when I think of Jim Brunson. Talking Tommy about Lee and Pamela, Bill Watts. Yeah, that's right. Bill Watts. Anyway, you know I've seen someone that reminds me of Bill Watts. Farrow, what? Yeah, Idaho governor yeah. signs a bill banning abortion after six weeks, modeled after Texas law. 
Idaho, Idaho became the first U.S. state to enact a law modeled after a recent legislation passed at Texas that bans abortions after six weeks before many women even know they're pregnant. What do you think of that? Really? Really? Um, oh boy. Wow, that's a tough one, man, because my anatomy does is does not include female uh, parts, so I, I'm not so sure I'm qualified to uh, say too much about this, uh, other than um, abortions are very, very, very unfortunate, and I'm not a fan of them. Can I say that? You have a right to say just, what you want. That's just my opinion, but I'm not so sure you should just order someone what to do with their body. So I guess I'm. Uh, it's a very. It's a very. I guess I'm kind of ripped up about this one. It's a you very got me tricky, on this one. It's a very tricky thing, right? Yeah, it is. You can believe things religiously, right? But then you live in a country where you have a right to. A lot of bad things, things happen, right? You know, not not. It's not all the time that women ask to be uh, pregnant either. You know, there's uh, cases of rape, obviously, and things like that. So. Man, oh man, you really got me on that one. Um, I'm not a fan of abortions, but at the same time, I'm not so sure I'm qualified to tell a woman what to do with a body. I guess that's how I feel about that. So you could personally, in my opinion, you could yeah. personally not believe in something. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I'm going to reiterate not that this country it. is built on uh, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And as far as I understood, yeah. and again, I'll probably get corrected. Right, Roe versus Wade was mm-hmm. that it? Right? Yeah, I believe so. There was a judgment made, and right. uh, women were allowed right. to have an abortion right. for whatever reason they'd like to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's where the law stood. Right. I'm not so sure that I agree with states being able to break away from these laws and be independently. Right, but we're seeing right? more of that in, on, in other areas of uh, laws and contentious uh, subjects. So it's it's happening. Very tricky stuff. It is. And if you didn't know, that is the star of the show, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Hello. Great show last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Cena Sr. Very good. He I, was, I he said was it. excellent. He, he was, was excellent. excellent. I love Great guy. Oh so, by the Lord. way, before we get to what our guest, I just wanted to cover something with you. We yeah. took some heat last week. We did? With our comments on the oh, uh, both the AEW champion, Who's Britt missed? Baker, and uh, <laughs> our friend there, Thunder Rosa. Demanded took, us. Took That's offense right. to right. our Twitter comments yes. about them using <laughs> fake blood and uh, gimmicked thumbnails. That they felt thumbnails, thumbnails, <laughs> thumbtacks, thumbtacks, whatever yeah, you want to call notes. them, whatever. Um, it was, Fake. It's the same. Wait, wait, wait. Can I fraud? Okay, Ugh, I please. Did. I knew that was coming. Yeah, but they didn't. but they took offense. Yeah, and yeah. they felt they had to go to Twitter and respond back to what yeah. we said. Well, you thoughts know, you, on that whole you ruffled, situation. You ruffled their pro wrestling chicken feathers. Do you feel that? Do you feel I was out of line saying no. that it was fake? Do you still think no. it was fake? Yeah. They yeah. were showing. The I thumb- thought it was fake the they other went time out of their that they way, bled. But they went out of their but, way to show all the thumbtack holes. What's the big deal? If but I they went to show the thumbtack holes, and so did uh, Audrey yeah, Ed- the Edwards. Holes. Put the show the holes where she had from the thumbtacks. Okay. Yeah, so okay. maybe we're wrong. Maybe it was real. What? The way they all fell off after she stood up? They all fell off like like they, they weren't really sticking. They, most of them, like ninety-eight percent of them, fell off. It was fake. We showed it. Fake blood. Hey, yeah, fake. We're going to talk to our guest about that later on. Yeah. Even though I get the feeling yeah. he doesn't really watch AEW, which I don't blame him, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he's just like uh, not thrilled with today's party, but uh, I guess we'll find out. I would out. like to thank the band that sings the theme song for Monty and Afar, our own Jimmy Farrell, <clears throat> the Park Riggs, a part of the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, Not Far Behind, Here Comes the Rain. You can find their music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page. Please give them a like and subscribe. Catch us on on Spotify, Hmm. Apple Music, and Reverb Nation. If you didn't know it, you are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. Catch Monty Nefaro on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, the Monty Nefaro Facebook Live page. Here is on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on the Monty and Faro Twitch TV page, channel 115 every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. if you're lucky enough to live in New York and catch cable. And Saturday, again, Saturday Night Live at 11.30 p.m. We and channel 20, Tuesday at 1 a.m. We, cracked we have cracked 100,000 100, viewers we were, weekly. We were close last week. Over the top. Pretty good. Nice. We also want to thank Amazon Music for putting the Monty and Faro show on their network. Nice. And we're going to be right back uh, before I announce that special guest. I want to 
Give a couple of shout outs. Maria Davis, 802 Maria. Blues, Jacob, welcome. Rick Howard, how are you? Triple A, Phil, I hope all is well. ESO, one of our sponsors in the house who is now working on a very special project for Monty that and Farrell. That was an awesome little. Uh, Don't reveal it. Yeah, Davio, what up, awesome. buddy? Uh, Dan Crusader in the house, Don the Barbara, and so many more. Jacob, how are you? We'll be right back after this commercial break with Icon, Superstar, and just a hell of a guy, Mr. Jim Brunzel. See you in a sec. Jeff Quest, graphics design, custom vinyl lettering, and all your art and video needs. 516-317-8204. That's for Jeff Quest Graphic Design. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude. Good fucking wine. Yeah. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. (sighs) Well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental. Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty DeFaro, seen here only out of Indie Music TV, out of Ron Cockham Long Island. We want to say welcome, Mr. Jim Brunzel. Thank you, sir, for taking the time out on our lovely little well, show. Well, thanks for having me. I think it was about a year ago, wasn't it, I was on with you guys? A little over a year ago, and I really do have a question for you. Are We, we okay. met you at the start of covid Right. You were in there with Brian Blair. Right. And I really was thinking about you for a long time. I, I really got to reach out to him. Are you now a millionaire? Because you were selling all the hand sanitizer and all that yeah. good stuff. Are right? you working as a rep, right? You know, I was working as a rep, but I got to tell you, um, most of those products, uh, disinfectants on, on a huge scale, were backordered to the point where uh, my company uh, was in had sales of seven million dollars that they couldn't reach because we couldn't get the product. Wow! So what ended up happening? Did like did everybody just cancel those back orders or what happened? No, they couldn't cancel the back orders. They just, you know, they you know we'd get a little bit. You know, somebody had ordered ten cases. Well, we, they get one case. Then when the rest of them came in, you know, it might be spread over. But that that was a problem in the industry too because you know I mean it was. That way with, you know, masks and everything else, gloves and, you know, uh, hand sanitizer. It was unbelievable. Did you think... Thank God we've turned the corner. Oh, you went. You're kidding. I was going to ask you, did you think that that day, it was just basically starting and we were kind of all joking about it in a a way. And did you ever think it was going to turn out the way it turned out? No, and it's funny because I was coming back from New Jersey. I did a show and this guy... And back of me was coughing in the plane, horribly, horrible, bad cough, cough. And I, I turned around. And I said, "Please cover your mouth." And this guy was on the point of being delirious. And of course, uh, four days later, I get sick. I have a fever. I got a cough. I can't go out of bed. Get out of bed for about four or five days, and I wound up getting COVID. And I lost my sense of smell. And I still haven't got it back. Wow. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. But otherwise, you're healthy, though, thank God, right? Well, I, I think I mentioned earlier I had my 10th surgery related to uh, my pro wrestling career. Uh, four weeks ago, I had what they call a reverse uh, right shoulder arthroplasty, which they they cut the, the ball out of your shoulder, and they put a new joint, and then they put a new ball in there, and then they they secure it to a part of the scapula. So it's, I'm, I'm, I was told by my doctor that I'm, I'll be restricted to lifting anything uh, over 20 pounds in my right arm. Mm. So my weightlifting days are probably gone, but um, it could be worse, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, Jim, recently, um, and I'm not sure if you knew this fellow, but we lost our friend from the show, J.J. Uh, McGuire. He ha was the co-writer of a lot of the themes for WWE, with, along with Jimmy Hart back in the early 90s. Um, did you have any memories? Did you ever cross, come across J.J. McGuire? And if not, what do you... What is your opinion on the importance of having a really good intro song for a wrestler? Oh, geez. Well, uh, I know uh, your first question, uh, Jimmy. I didn't. I didn't meet uh, JJ McGuire, but I, you know, I'm very familiar with Jimmy Hart mm -hmm. and uh, knew his background and you know music. And uh, sure, there was, you know. You have a catchy tune going to the ring. You know, people boom automatically. You know, as soon as they hear those opening notes, they know, you know, the killer bees are coming or the, you know, the the hearts are coming. And then, you know, with Hulk, with his theme song, you know, they as soon as, boom, they heard that he was coming. And it's it, it was great to do. We tried two or three different songs. And the problem was that um, if they were, you know, f famous, you know, artists that had that song, you couldn't use it because then you would have to pay him. Mm -hmm. And Vince didn't want to do that, so Vince sort of wound up making up his own uh, music for a lot of, uh, or maybe he had Jimmy Hart do it. He probably did, you know, for a lot of his talent. But I know uh, Brian and I uh, came out to a couple different things. So, <laughs> but you're right. It, it sure adds to your, uh, you know, the selling of your your presence. Were you ever happy with your music, or you know, what, what was your take on the, the the songs you went out to over the years? Uh, any particular one? You well, see, played? I wanted Springsteen music, and right away I couldn't do it. And then uh, Brian wasn't too hip on it, and uh, uh, McMahon wasn't either. So <laughs> yeah. it, it it didn't either way. It, you know, I was. I thought, well, you know, if we come out to something, we come out to something. So right, right. Unfortunately, over the last few days, we've lost one of the all-time greats, uh, Razor Ramon, also, of course, known as Scott Hall. Uh, can you give us or share with us any personal uh, memories of Scott Hall and uh, his impact on this business? Well, he was very unique because he came in as Razor Ramon and got over extremely well. Good-looking guy, very athletic, uh, had good presence in the ring, could talk. Um, and, you know, boom, he took off. And uh, I know uh, he had, you know, throughout his career, he had a horrible battle with substance abuse, and, and it took its toll on him. And, and I, 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 you know, I, you just add these number of people that uh, succumb to um, substance abuse, whether it be alcohol or, you know, drugs. And it's amazing because there was – you know, there's there's probably two to three dozen wrestlers in the last 20 years that have passed because of substance abuse. And um, I, I know that he didn't die of substance abuse, but I, I'm sure it had a, a critical play on his life. Um, and also, you know, I, I know, you know, the bumps and bruises and, you know, he had a, a hip transplant, or hip replacement, and then you know, got blood clots and had a couple of heart attacks and wound up on a ventilator and then they took him off. So, I mean, you just you just never know, you know, and, and all of us who spent so much time in the ring. And, you know, I, I uh, have figured that I've had close to 5,000 matches in 27 years. Wow. And the, all those matches I did, you know, I did a lot of drop kicking and stuff like that. So I ruined my knees and I ruined my shoulders. And um, consequently, I'm paying for that price now. Could be a lot worse, but, um, you know, I'll be 73 in August. And uh, I, I thank the Lord for a, a, a very blessed life that I've had with uh, a great family relationship with my wife and my kids. And also, I still stay, stay close with the number of, you know, some of the wrestlers that I was real close with. And, you know, I, I'm... Uh, very active in my uh, kid's life and, and my two grandsons. So, you know, I, I'm pretty happy being retired now. So it's fair to say, though, that if you could start over, 
Jim Brunzel would have still been Jim Brunzel, the wrestler, you would not have chosen a different life? Well, I wanted to play pro football, but I wasn't good enough. <laughs> so okay. I had to, okay. you know, uh, and and it's funny because I remember when that 3030 uh, movie came out, a documentary on Ric Flair, and we went to the opening of it in Minneapolis. And and after we saw it, I you know, I, I just, you know, I looked at it and I thought, geez, I shook my head and, and then uh, I said to Greg, I said, you know, if Rick had it to do all over again, he'd do it the same way. And, mm -hmm. and Greg said, yeah, he would. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, and I, I know, you know, Rick is, he's, I think Rick is 73 now. He might be closing in on 74, but he's still got his, his um, mug out there and he's still hooing with everybody and, uh, you know, more power to him. So, uh, Last time you were in studio, you were with your partner, Brian Blair. Um, could you fill the fans in? How's Brian doing? I know he's gone through some really tough times, uh, the passing of his son, and he's had some health yes. issues. Uh, could you share with yeah. the fan how Brian's doing? Well, I, I talked to him oh, a couple times, uh, maybe uh, once every seven to ten days. And, and if we're not talking, we're uh, emailing or texting and, and, uh, you know, he's had four or five back and neck surgeries. And then the last time he had a surgery, he wound up getting an infection called osteomyelitis in his backbone. He damn near died. He was in the hospital for four or five weeks. And um, so he, he lost a lot of weight. And, you know, the fact that, um, you know, having to deal with the loss of his son this past summer is just horrifying for uh, anybody you know any parent to think that that could happen and and then you know you know you know somebody that it did and and it was just it was horrible so uh right now he's in a good space uh we're going to go to um next week we're going to go to dallas for the wrestlemania wrestlecon uh down there a couple days and, and it's always interesting to go to those because uh, actually the only reason why I go is because I want to see the guys that, you know, we worked with, mm. you know, so many years ago. And you wind up seeing a lot of those guys. And I, I know that we, we're not going to be going to the WrestleMania matches, that's for sure. But mm. Uh, mm. Vince would probably charge us $2,000 for the nose. <laughs> yeah. For parking seats, <laughs> no, that's yes. for parking. What are you talking no, about? He'd want, us, he'd want us to park the cars, right? Oh, right. Man. I can I, that's that's the thing with poor Vince. Vince. Poor Vince, forget <laughs> that. Oh, my lord, Jim. I'm not sure if you're watching the current product, but uh, me and Mike are on a tangent lately with AEW. Would you like to weigh in on the use of uh, fake blood and fake uh, thumbtacks? Any thoughts? Fake blood. Oh, God. Well, I, I haven't watched it. I see the picture out there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I remember a time, and, and I'm trying to think of his name now, and, and he lives up in Connecticut. Uh, Jesus, gosh. What's, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's he wrestled in a couple of names, and he had the puppets with his hand. Puppets? Foley? Mick Foley? Yeah. Foley? Mick Foley, yeah. Yes, Foley's Mick Foley. From, Foley's from Long Island. Not that we're proud of that. but Is uh, he? Oh, I thought he lived it, in Connecticut. Whatever. Semantics. Yeah. Oh, who, who really cares? But yeah. go ahead, Jim. <laughs> But I remember him doing all that crazy stuff, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. on the the glass and ay 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 and the tax. And I thought that guy isn't going to be able to walk when he's sixty five years old, mm. you know. Mm. And I, so far, I you know I haven't heard he's had any surgery, so maybe you know maybe he's bouncing the right way. Yeah, but uh, maybe I, he was just born you know, to bounce. I, yeah, he was born to bounce with. There'll be a song. G-Man will come out with a rap on that. G-Man's going to come out with a rap. Born to bounce. That's great. Yes. Born to bounce, baby. So, Unbelievable. I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I did a documentary last week with A&E on Cosro Vaziri, the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they said, "Do you have any stories about the Iron Sheik?" And I said, "Yes, I do." Yeah. So I said, "I said, do you want the good ones or the bad ones?" Yeah, all of them. He said, "Well, yeah. sort of mix them in." And I told yeah. him, "I said, well, I said I had my worst match with Cosro, and I said I had a match where he choked me out, 
in the ring uh, with a, a tag team rope. And then as I was just barely conscious, he threw me through the second and third rope and I, I landed and my head bounced oh. and I had 29 stitches in this eyebrow here. <laughs> and I, I got up and I thought, what in the heck happened? You know? And, and, uh, because he was he was he, he he was trying to figure out how I did it, how it was my fault, but he, he couldn't. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it was an interesting uh, interview, and we talked for about an hour and five minutes. But uh, there's another guy who's you know put up with a lot of stuff, and and you know his daughter uh, was taken, you know, and and, and uh, drugs were involved and. And he had a, a horrible ankle that he never fixed, and he's almost crippled now. But uh, I heard uh, from these people that he's got over 600,000 uh, followers on uh, Instagram. Right. So right. he's doing pretty good, I guess. Yeah, it's not too bad. So we were talking no. earlier about New York and Minnesota, right? So you were in the AWA yep. where I think you guys wrestled most of the time in the winter and you had your summers off. Is that is that accurate? No, we, we wrestled quite a bit in the winter because people are you know captivated to being inside because of the cold weather. No, that's what I said. But I said that reversed. You had yeah. your summers off, but you wrestled in the winters, correct? Yes. Well, that's right. But we didn't have the summers off. We wrestled maybe two to three times a week during the summer, which was great. Usually it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we had Monday, you know, through Thursday off, which was great. But summer in Minnesota I, is only like two weeks, isn't it? I mean, how long, I mean, how long is this summer in Minnesota? Well, it could be four weeks, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I know, I was warm. I mean, actually, you're not warm. But so when you, when you came up here to the WWE <laughs> or WWF, what kind of, was that a yes. culture shock to you? Because now you're oh, working, God. what, 340 days a year? I this is the honest gospel truth, and I wanted. I don't know if I showed you this the last time, but I, I wrote this book a couple years ago, and it's called Matlands. Yes, and it's and I published it myself from uh, Blurb, and in here is a uh, you know forty six stories, and I I document just about everything, all the interesting stories, and they're true. But um, I wrestled Brian and I wrestled for three and a half years. We averaged twenty-seven days a month. Wow! And I wow. have I have that on my books. Twenty-seven days a month. I remember we went fifty-two days straight, and then Greg Valentine broke my hand in Rockford, Illinois. So I had two days off, and then I came back with a cast on, and the bees won more matches with uh, using my cast to clothesline than <laughs> we did with any drop kicks. <laughs> wow! So did you? That's so the, the, the Brian, the Brian, the, the Brian wear the cast too. So when you guys swip, swapped those masks around, you really had that kayfabe thing going on. He he, he he had one, but it was a little. Uh, it was uh, more uh, flesh colored than mine. <laughs> I got a fan out there who wants to ask you a question. We're going to go back to sure. Scott Hall a little bit. He wants to know how was Razor like when you came back to the WWF in 1992. How did he treat you, Razor Ramon? Who? Razor, Razor. Scott Hall. Scott Hall. Oh, well. You, you know, say it, here's, okay. here's the whole here's the whole problem. When I came back, I, I had my own business in White Bear. It was called Jumping Jim Brunzel's Gym. And I had a good, you know, nut per month that I had to make. And so it was advantageous for me to wrestle part-time with the WWE. So whenever any uh, baby face got hurt or, you know, somebody got suspended or whatever, I, they'd call me in for a couple, two weeks, three weeks at a time, and I'd make good money. So uh, although one of the things that Vince did to me and um, it bothered me was he put me in with these guys and some of them were on TV, and uh, he wanted me to put them over one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And first I thought, well, you know, if a heel beats a baby face in the middle of the ring, one, two, three, 
first of all, that doesn't say much about the baby face. And a heel should do something, you know, to violate in some way or other that his opponent in order to beat him to, to maintain the heat on him. So that was one thing that I had to deal with. And I remember you can look this match up. It's, um, it was, uh, let's see. Oh, what's his name? I got it. Randy Savage and I had a match on TV. It was on one of the first Monday night raws. And, I knew I, and he had, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, not not uh, his wife, but the... the Sherry? What's her name? I can't, Sherry. Sherry Martell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she was in his corner, okay. and we had a hell of a match. And I remember we did a little series, and he jumped over me, and I came back, and I hit him right in the mouth with a drop kick. And he got up and he was splitting, spitting blood. And I thought, oh, Jesus, here we go. But <laughs> oh boy, we we had a hell of a match. And uh, I'll never forget, after the match, we went through the um, curtain. And Vince McMahon was right there. And he said, gentlemen, he said, that's the best TV match I've ever seen. So I don't know if he was just blowing smoke. But it was a good match. So you can watch it. It's probably 12 13 minutes long on YouTube, but it was, a, it was an excellent match. And, and, um, you know, Randy, uh, gave me a lot at the match and he was a true professional. And, uh, there was another guy who died way too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, but razor Ramon, when he came back, he, you know, he, you know, when you get over in New York and you get a little cocky and, you know, he was, he was a little, um, well, he wanted to be real dominant in the match. And, again, I, I, I don't appreciate that. And it does nothing for the, the heel to, you know, try to out-wrestle the baby face. All it does is demean the, uh, the baby face. And uh, it actually confuses uh, the wrestling fan. So... The bookings today must drive you crazy if you if you are familiar with uh, today's wrestling. And even over the last 10-plus years, there's this 50-50 booking. What's your take on that? The neutrality of, of, of characters. You can't grasp onto the character, the wrestler. With a Everybody's the same, Jimmy. Right. When you watch, if you watch somebody, and, and I'm talking about AEW and, and WWE, if you watch these guys come out and all their, all their interviews are choreographed to the you know comma um they all are brave and strong and there's no weakness there there's no humility um and that's that's what vince has you know been successful in creating he's created these superstars that he calls them and they're all the same Mm. i mean (laughs) You look at it. You look at them, all of them, and the, and 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 the format is about the same. You know, if, and I don't watch it that much, but you know, you'll see somebody, and all of a sudden, a car will drive up backstage, and somebody will jump out and and do this or do that, and the guy, the, the person in the ring will come back and you know take account of a hundred while he's out chasing the guy in the car and stuff like that so i you know i don't watch it anymore i don't i don't find any uh redeeming qualities in it i'm very happy and uh i think the uh, it's fortunate that the boys are making you know such a, a good payday and they deserve it and um that's the best that i think i can say about uh, both promotions these guys are making great money now, and they deserve it. You've wrestled on super cards, obviously super shows in the AWA. You've, you've you know wrestled the WrestleMania, but the big question is, is is what was the difference between the two? Like you know, working on a super show in the AWA compared to the the vibe and feel of a WrestleMania. I understand that you know. To me, I agree it should be more about wrestling, but the entertainment aspect and the over the top bigness. Could you tell the difference, like, you know, clear-cut as day? Oh, like, 
Uh, okay. Oh yeah, because Jimmy, when when we went to WrestleMania, there was there was twenty different countries there with their news force. You know, right. all of a sudden you right. see you know you see people from Japan and London and Australia. You know, and and they were interested in you know I, I'll never forget that that when we were at the Superdome in in Pontiac, Michigan, and we you know it was uh, WrestleMania three, mm. and it was Brian and I against the Sheik and Volkov. And during that match, uh, uh, Jim Duggan came in and uh, more or less caused us to get disqualified. And we and we were supposed to be happy with that. We were supposed to, you know, pat him on the shoulder and thank him for coming in and getting us disqualified. So that was Vince's way of introducing Jim Duggan at our expense to get him over. But the the feel was incredible. I mean... Uh, and one thing I'll say is that we were supposed to originally go on second or third, and it wound up that they put us on in a semi-final uh, match, and Hulk and Andre were the last ones, and everybody was waiting to see Hulk and Andre. They didn't care about the bees and Nikolai and, and Cosro. So, um, it, you know, it, it was it – was, Great in the fact that those WrestleManias were so um, accepted and publicized, and that's due to Vince's connections and the promotions that he had, uh, you know, with Dick Ebersol and and the production of the TV, and um, you know, it was it was it was great to be on those. And I'll tell you, I had a um, our match in Winnipeg, Canada. Um, I think it was 1982. Yeah. And it was Nick Bockwinkle. And we went an hour draw. And that one, too, is also on um, YouTube. And that was a hell of a match. Honest to God. And we had that crowd, which was a sellout crowd, uh, into every every move, every uh, false finish, everything, right up until the end. And to me, I had two or three... Um, our draws with Nick Bockwinkle, who I thought was incredible in the ring. He was one of the greatest. I had three draws with uh, Harley Race, who in his time as a NWA champion was, you know, he'd do a our draw every night. I had three draws with Ric Flair in Charlotte, North Carolina. I had one with Jimmy Snuka, and I had a couple, believe it or not, with – Iron Sheik, Khosrow Vaziri. Wow. And those were those were a battle of, it was like getting um, a full set of implants with uh, only a half a shot of Novocaine. Mm. I got to ask, WrestleMania three, Hogan and Andre, it happens to be our favorite match, my partner and myself, basically, because it was just, we were huge Hogan fans. The timing was right. We grew up with him in basically high school and stuff. So we get Hogan, Andre, the body slam, the 93,000. I'm really curious. Were the wrestlers looking at the match from the back? Because nowadays you see all this behind-the-scenes stuff. You see wrestlers watching important matches from the back and stuff. Were, were you guys, like, peeking out? Was anybody, like, peeking out watching Hogan, Andre do something absolutely <laughs> legendary? Okay, not a clinic, but my God, what a story that was. Were you guys watching? Yeah, it, it was. And, and I think some were, you know, looking, but it, I, they had some monitors back there that you could watch it cool. without, you know, sticking your head through the curtains. And, cool. You know, it was hard seeing it that way because there were so damn many people, and you were mm -hmm. you were at least you were at least a hundred yards away from the ring at at that where they had our locker rooms. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was a great match, and you know, I mean, Andre. You know, I mean, he was a such an athletic uh, big man, and uh, he knew, you know, he knew his position there. And Hulk was a golden goose, and he did him right, and it was a great match. And um, you know, let's face it, the WWE today is is what it is today because of Hulk Hogan. Really, Thank you. he was a golden goose. Thank you. He was. Truth. I mean, he. Truth. he, he he was, and 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 not to say he was the greatest wrestler in the world. Of course not. But for what, but for what he had, the package he had, his just his look, his rap, his entrance, 
his athleticism in the ring. I mean, if you can go back and you can see him on YouTube wrestling uh, Antonio Inuki mm-hmm. in Japan, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. two or three years before he came to New York. And, that, you know, here's a guy, 6'8", you know, 300 pounds, that could actually get down on the mat and wrestle. I mean, he was good. He, he, he impressed the heck out of me. How much pressure do you think Hulk Hogan, the person, was carrying with him during those days to perform on the level that he was being, to break the barriers he was being asked to break? How much pressure do you think this man had to deal with? Well, he was he was under pressure like all of us were because we all had to True. perform, and he was True. in a different level. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he was over. I right. mean, he, all he had to do was come to the ring and put his hand up like that, and the people would go crazy. I mean, he didn't have to do anything. Right. He didn't have to, you know, leapfrog or drop down or, you know, right. hip toss and head scissor guy and right. arm drag him. And, you know, he just – he was Hulk. Right. And uh, it was – it was um, a great era, and it was funny because I, I mentioned this uh, last week. I remember I have a Sports Illustrated, I think it was from 1980 or 81. Might have might even been later. And it's got Hulk Hogan on it, and he's, he's like this, mm. and it says, uh, the top banana in – in athletics, highest paid performer, ten million, he made. Wow. He was the highest paid athlete, you know. And and I still have that uh, Sports Illustrated someplace. And you know, I mean, he he was, you know, making fifty thousand a week plus. He was getting twelve to fifteen percent of the net or the gate of championship matches. And when they, you know, when they draw the hundred fifty thousand dollars, he was making like twenty five grand a night. Wow! Right. Wow! So it's fair and, to and, say. And, and, and this- it's yeah. fair to say that you wanted to be on that A card with him, right? Because the paydays must have oh, been much God, better. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes. There you go. It, it sure was. There you go. It sure was. Yeah. Hey, Jim. So when we were into wrestling, right, we were just speaking before the show. I, You know, you guys didn't watch. You couldn't watch uh, Up East, and we couldn't watch you guys. But we always looked at the, uh, the magazines, the, right? Back in the right. days, right? Yeah. So – I was, you know, when I think of Jim Brunzel, I always think about the high flyers right. with Greg Gagne, yep. and I think about yep. reading all those great stories against you and uh, you two against Adonis and Ventura, Ooh. who I became big fans of, and when they came up here, it was huge. Uh, but I didn't realize how much time you had spent in the WWE, and uh, if you remember, Kurt Henning started up here. And he was like yep. enhancement talent for a while. Mm-hmm. He goes to the AWA and he starts building a name. And right. then he comes here. And then, of course, uh, Terry Taylor's here. And I guess my question to you, you were around during that time too. Uh, there's a story out there that they discussed that the two gimmicks of Mr. Perfect and the Red Rooster were up for grabs. And they flipped the coin to see who was going to be who. Is that true? I never heard that. Never heard that. Okay. It, it might have been, you know, I mean, Kurt was a hell of a worker and so was Terry. I, you know, he, Terry was a better baby face than a heel, I think. Mm-hmm. But they made him, they wanted to make him this heel and Kurt was a natural heel. And Kurt was a wrestling heel. And at one time, I, I you know, Kurt probably was one of the best in the top three best overall workers in the WWE. And he might've been in the top three in the whole world of wrestling. Right. You know, I mean, there, there, you know, I mean, you had, uh, to me, I have, I, I look at these guys that I, I was fortunate enough to see and work with. And I see some guys, you know, uh, like Jake, the snake Roberts was incredible. His timing in the ring, everything he did look good. Uh, same with Bob Orton jr. One of the best, I uh, had plenty of uh, time working with him. He, his timing and everything he did in the ring was incredible, you know. And then and, and you have you know Ricky Steamboat, who was a great babyface. Oh God, incredible! And, and there was so many guys. And, and you know, and then then you have the 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 character wrestlers, you know, like Ric Flair, one in a million, you know. And um, 
there's a lot of them that, that that I you know probably didn't mention, but and Bret Hart was excellent. Um, but you know, I I'm, I mean, when you think of what made New York, New York, and and the WWE, it was Hulk Hogan all the way. Sure. So back to Taylor, though, do you think that he that that gimmick was just so bad it just didn't get over, or do you think that he just just couldn't get into it. That gimmick. Because I got to be personal. I, I really was, did like the Red Rooster. I, I really awful. enjoyed the would Red you Rooster. Would pl- so, please you know. tell him that gimmick was terrible, and if Mr. Perfect had been the Rooster, I would have squawked. Help me out, Jim. Well, please. here's – let me tell you something. <laughs> brother. This, brother. This is – yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Vince, McMahon had a, Vince McMahon had a way of giving guys a gimmick that – he was making fun of other people in the wrestling business. Okay. And a great deal of this was when, um, let's see, it was, let's see, I want to see, it was Harley Race, they called the king, and then um, David. You had Virgil. Oh, shoot. You had Virgil. Yeah, Virgil. Dusty, yeah, right? Virgil yeah. got named for Dusty. Yeah. And, right. yeah. So who was and the then, Red Rooster? That was it. Oh, no. Yeah. Aye. So, you know, he had his own way of just sort of, you know, and then he, you know, he made Harley race wear this crown king, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, then, and then he brought, you know, the Funks in and didn't know what to do with them. And, and, and Dory Funk and Terry Funk were great. Honest yeah. to God, they were good. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, they didn't know what to do with them and they just sat and bounced around and, you know. Where do you put Bob Backlund? I got to ask, because in the magazine days, it was this was always pissing us off. They would rank Pro Wrestling Illustrated or The Wrestler or Inside Wrestling, the mags. They would rank the champions, and it, it always seems like Bob Backlund, we felt, was like, what the F? They would give it to Bockwinkle, they'd give it to Race. They always seemed to put Bob after them. Uh, what's your memories of Bob Backlund? And, and you know, does, he belongs with these guys. I'm sorry, but, you know, what's yes. your take? Well... Here, here's the deal. Bobby was a, a great babyface wrestler. He was a great collegiate wrestler. He was more or less what you'd say is a real humble um, interview. And I think Vince Jr. didn't like that. He, he didn't get along with Bobby. And his dad wanted to have a wrestling champion. That's why they gave... Bob Backlund, the, the championship belt, because they thought, hey, you know, we're going to be just like uh, the AWA, and we're going to give somebody the world champion that can really wrestle, which Bob could do. And I'll, I'll just say um, what happened to me, and then it, it sort of reflects Vince's attitude about Bob Backlund. So the very first day I came uh, to WWE, I flew into LaGuardia, and then we went into Poughkeepsie in a small plane. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember doing the TV, and I think it was June 26th, and it was 1985. So they, Gene Okerlund's doing the interviews, and they have they just a – oh, they had a ton of interviews that day. And then you had two or three hours of TV, and then the next day we'd fly to Canada and do the same thing over. So – Gene Okerlund is uh, interviewing me, and it's a typical, you know, humble babyface interview, you know. And Gene had knew my background after being in the AWA with the high flyers and blah blah blah. So I did a, just a, you know, a normal all-American babyface interview. And as I walked away from the interview, I heard Vince McMahon say, "Oh, another backland." Oh, my God, really? Oh, Oh, boy. That's what he said. And I thought, oh, boy. Yeah, so that was my first day in New York. Mm. You fired me three times. Yeah, on that, I'm just getting to this. You worked for Vince. You worked for Vern Gagne. You worked for Crockett. Tell us the difference between the three of them. Wait, can I just get this in there? Yeah, sure, go ahead. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah, he did it three times, Jim. Three times. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. That's yeah. horrible, by the way. Well, okay, tell us see, the difference Vern, between them. Oy. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what. All of them had 
pretty good egos. Jim mm-hmm. Crockett was not athletic, so he okay. he really didn't know what he was doing. He was just lucky that he was in a territory that he had such great talent. And at that time, George Scott was a good booker. And that's what flew that thing off the coop. I mean, they had Roddy Piper in there. They had Ric Flair. They had Wahoo McDaniel. And they had just... And it was hopping every night. So Crockett was uh, a master. Vince, de- was Crockett was a master delegator? Then it sounds like he he knew how oh, to delegate. Oh, without a doubt. Well, the other yes, guys, he, are, I would he, assume, he, are more hands on. Oh, Vern was hands on left and right. I mean, he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew what he wanted in the matches. He knew how the guys were going to behave outside, and everybody realized their position in the AWA, and everybody got along. Everybody had great matches, and everybody made good money. Period. There was only fourteen guys, so mm. you look at you look at the WWE, and all of a sudden you got sixty to seventy-five guys because there's no other territory to work in, and all these guys, a lot of them were top workers in the various territories, so they're fighting and clawing and grabbing for you know any uh, advantage they could get. So uh, when you on a nightly basis were going out there with these guys, and all of a sudden you know they. They're trying to get over at the expense of you when you're trying to get the match over. That That is not uh, going to end up in a good wrestling situation, you know, for the, for the guys and also for the territory. And Vince didn't care, you know. He, and then, you know, they had, they had problem, problems, you know. I mean, I remember Cosro, I think he worked, I think it was over 80 days in a row. That's that's ridiculous. And we were flying every single day in an airplane. So, and then, you know, renting a car and then going, you know, I remember going to, I remember making a trip with Jake Roberts. And we started in uh, Vancouver and we went all the way down and we wound up in Phoenix, Arizona, 10 days later. And we drove down all the way through, you know, and we stopped here and stopped there in Washington and then wrestled in San Francisco and wrestled in L.A. and wrestled. And, and, you know, it it was outrageous. Jim, you you were around during uh, the Ring Boy scandals, I believe. Uh, Lee Cole, brother of the Ring Boy scandals. Uh, Lee Cole, brother of Tom Cole. He's been on the show. Tom Cole committed suicide. He accused Mel Phillips and Terry Garvin of sexually harassing him or taking advantage of him. Um, I know you were around during that time, but I don't know if you know anything about it. And if you do, what are your thoughts on it? Know. And um, yeah. do you think that Vince I, is culpable for something like that going on in his organization? I wasn't around for that, so I can't, you know, say one way or another. But I remember um, when Vince was going through some rather um, uh, questionable behavior and he was being investigated. And I remember I asked Hulk Hogan, I said, uh, Terry, I says, what, what do you think? What, what's this with Vince? And And Terry told me, he says, he says, Vince McMahon is capable of anything and everything. And then he walked away. Hmm. Wow. Whoa. Uh, Jim, in your mind, if uh, Vern had kept Hogan around, uh, what do you think would have happened with the uh, future of the wrestling business if somehow he had stayed in the AWA? Well, I, it would have been great for the AWA, and it would have been good for Terry for a period of time. But I, I, here's here's the main drawback, and and I've said this before. And, and it, Vern Gagne was a very very egotistical guy, and you know his whole life he was an amateur wrestler, uh, champion, high school wrestler, college wrestler, uh, alternate at the Olympics. He played football. He was a great athlete all the way around, and. He had an an enormous ego. I mean, just enormous. And I think that probably if Terry, see, here's the deal. (laughs) Terry was completely the opposite of what Vince was, or what uh, Vern was, in that Terry was a muscle-bound, you know, uh, guitar-playing, 
uh, <laughs> you know, rock and roll player. Right. That was a bodybuilder. Had a good rap, but you know, you know, I think uh, I think Terry said that he played softball or something like that, fast pitch softball. But so I think the ego would have gotten involved somewhere in in the. And I, I, to be honest with you, everything happened for the best. I know it wasn't the best for the AWA because they folded, but so did the rest of the territories. And, you know, uh, WWE was, you know, king. So I, I think it would have been good for Hogan, you know, and, you know, there's so much innuendo and rumor saying, well, yeah, they were going to give the book. You know, they were going to give the belt to Terry in, in Chicago and CBS wanted to be there and this and that. And, and you know, I, that's all speculation because it never happened. So I just think that the way things happened, uh, it was it was great in one respect that um, it enabled, uh, you know, Terry Bollea to be uh, uh, the golden goose of pro wrestling, and it enabled a lot of other guys who wrestled um, and still could have an opportunity to wrestle in New York to make a, a, a pretty good living, even though <laughs> we had no representation, we had no retirement, we had no <laughs> no hospitalization, no nothing. That was one of the reasons why I got fired. I thought, geez, you know, I called Gene Upshaw from the uh, NFL Players Association and he says, oh, boy, he says, you're going to have trouble. And he says, because he said, in order for you to succeed with the union in wrestling, he said, you're going to have to have Hulk Hogan, you know, go along with it. And in reality, if Hulk Hogan would have gone along with us, it, he would have been the one hurt the most. Right. You know, right. because, you know, so, of course, it didn't happen. But, you know, I still have no idea if there's any uh, profit sharing or if there's any, you know, hospitalization, because I know there wasn't uh, when I was there. So and back to that union not. thing, though, right. was it you and Ventura together get, trying to get the boys together, or how did that how did that start? Well, Jesse, you know, was talking it up, and, and I was talking. We were on sort of different levels, and um, – it just it just wasn't going to happen, and and I I think that Vince got word of it, and you know I was easily dismissed, and um, I, I you know I I don't know I've, Jesse, you know didn't I I, th I don't know if Jesse worked that much longer, you know for Vince or not, but I, I I've seen him once in a while. Uh, and he told me he was going to run for president, and I said, oh Jesus, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he lives. He you're lives not voting about, for him. What are you talking about? What do you mean you're not voting <laughs> for him? <laughs> you know he works for he he works for Russian TV. They what? they have he worse. works what? for RT. Yes, he works for Russian TV. <sighs> he does a program, weekly program, and they built a studio in his house so what he wouldn't they? have to travel. Oh my God. So I want to go back to your firing. Who who was the uh, person that fired you over this union? Did Vince personally do it, or did he send one of his henchmen after you? I think it was Pat Patterson. Oh, really? Pat Patterson said, "Yeah, I, I think he. Yeah, I think he was. You know, and he did it on a spur of the moment deal. Uh, he he just says you're no longer going to be booked. So I was done that day, and then." When they called me back to work again, I told Pat, I says, Pat, if you're going to, you know, if Vince's going to, you know, drop me, I says, at least give me a couple weeks notice so I can, you know, prepare the family, you know, and right. and do this and do that. And he says, oh, don't worry. Well, they fired me again. And I think it was, uh, I can't remember. If, I, I think it was somebody else. It wasn't, it wasn't Pat Patterson. But, uh, yeah, and I remember. I remember uh, Vince. I think the third time he he fired me, I, I had I had suggested something to him on the sly. I said, I, "I know." I said, "I got a great idea." I said, "I know you always want to be a wrestler. Why don't I, I say something to you? Um, you come and question me, and I and I, and then I'll beat the shit out of you, and then uh, <laughs> we can get we can get booked around the horn, and I'll put you over." And he says, I don't think that'll happen, Jimmy. 
<laughs> you could have been the, the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin. You might have put the seed in his mind, though. He's, All right, he's Jim, I want to yeah. thank you. We're almost out of time. We want to hit you with something okay. called the Pharaoh's Final Question. Uh, this is sure. where the start of the show, Jimmy Farrow, goes uh, off script, and he thinks in his brain what he's going to ask you, and it could be anything. It could be, <laughs> you know, he's asked some people if they like peanut butter or jelly, they, never, you know, uh, boxers or briefs, so uh, Jimmy's going to have it with you, and uh, let's see it's good. Don't make it that hard. <laughs> boxers, briefs, and hard, all in the same. There you go. Thank well, you. would you please? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> <laughs> Jim, you've talked about 10 surgeries over the course of your career. Now you're up to surgery number 10. you got to explain one thing to me. Is it youthful exuberance during the moments of your career that made you obviously love doing this to yourself? I mean, in some strange way. Uh, what makes a wrestler keep coming back for more pain? Well, I, I think it's... it's um... It's a feeling of satisfaction that you get and accomplishment and knowing in yourself, in your, in your being, that you're good at what you're doing. And I think that enables us, you know, like who, who would have known, you know, after 20-some years, you know, I would have, you know, screwed up my body so bad, but you know, you look at the football players, you know, and and a lot of them guys are limping around too, and mm -hmm. they didn't have a twenty-five year career, but they had a fifteen or twelve-year career. But I, I, I just, you know, it was just what I was going to do, and I, I was fortunate to come, uh, come out of it, um, you know, with a, a wonderful wife and two great kids who I've never had any problem with. And I, like I say, I've had a real blessed life and thank the good Lord for that. And, you know, I, I've had all these <laughs> replacements, but I, you always look at it and it could be worse. Well, Jim, I got to say you tell you that we're glad you became a professional wrestler. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you've, you've, You've thrilled a lot of people out there your entire life. You should be very proud of yourself. And, again, we want to thank you for joining the show. We hope you come up to New York soon. We'd love to have you back in studio, our new studio, by the way. And, uh, you know, have a great weekend, and thank you for everything, my friend. Well, listen, I appreciate you having me on again. You guys do a great job. If you guys could text me your address, I would like – I don't know if you've read my book, but I'd gladly send you a couple books. Please. That would be fantastic. Please. I will. I, okay. That would be fantastic. Perfect. And uh, okay. I, pr I promise you, I promise you that Pharaoh's cats will not How get near know? that Jim, book. <laughs> you know what? You've done it now. Jim, here's the truth. When you came down last time, you brought me a book. You signed it. You wrote something really cool and stuff. I'm like, this is great. And then I was getting ready to move, and I had all my stuff in a box, and my three cats decided to tear up your autograph and ruin the book. Could you please send me another one? <laughs> Please. Will do. Please. No problem. You see, you just made the Pharaoh's life, brother. There you go. He was like, oh, please. I hope Jim sends another book. Jim, thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace. Thanks, Jim. Peace. Thanks, bro. He's a bro. That's your Brunzel. I'm calling him bro. This is terrible. Oi. Great job. Want to thank you. He's great. He's great. I could talk to that guy nonsense. Oh, he's fantastic. And his book was great, too. I read the whole thing before the cats got to it. It was great. Oh, my God. All right. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us. You've been yeah. watching Long Island's number one pro wrestler and broadcast, yeah. Monty DeFaro. Cast us on the Monty DeFaro YouTube page, the Monty DeFaro Facebook Live page. Here is on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Anchor. And if you live in New York, Channel 115 every Tuesday at 930 and Saturday at 1130. Yeah. And Channel 20, Tuesday at 1 a.m. for the Night Walkers, where That's you right. will catch the Jim Brunzel episode yes. in a... Consolidated, okay, compressed, compressed version, compressed. Farrow, like, like any this? first of all, we want to thank everybody for joining us again. Your loyalty yes, to the show is absolutely. incredible, and I, I can't say enough what a fantastic gentleman Mr. Jim Brunzel is. And I got to tell He's you the awesome, truth, man. He's a good guy. Again, maybe it's me. 
But when a guy tells me he's 73 years old... And he does he not look... Like, he looks like he's 40. He, he's taking decades off. I'm looking at him. I'm like, there ain't no way you're 73. You know, I'm thinking about all the high-flying stuff that guy did. Oh, my Lord. You got to expect some sort of injuries. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit depressing. Right. But, right. I mean, right. he yeah. looks I talk about unsung heroes. Think about the style that he did back in the day. They're all trying to do this nowadays. So and, he's way ahead. And to me, he's living a blessed life. He gets Absolutely. to be around his grandchildren, yeah. his children. Yep. His wife is still with yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, he, you know what? He's got He's good. You know? Clean living, my friend. Yeah. The guy was a they, clean liver. That's true, too. And that's uh, for anybody or some fans asking, you might have missed the Brian Blair thing. Brian got an infection. He was pretty ill, but right. he's on the road to recovery. Another awesome guy, so, by the way. Yeah, so uh, awesome that's what guy. Jim shared with us, which is fantastic. Yep. Um, Parting words. Parting words. Well, once again, thank you for letting us come into your homes. I hope you enjoyed our time with uh, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. And until next time. Later.